Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood sub-genres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Yep, yep, ghetto boys is back and reloaded. All in your mind, yeah, now deep-throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded. The disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated. And they know it, we speak the truth so they quote it. Cause we wrote it, the north, south, the east coast. It's the GB knocking, we keeping your head bobbing. It ain't no stopping. And once the beat drops in, violins, the system is so corrupt. They throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us. It's GB, don't get it twisted. On code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's 
Willie D, y'all. Ghetto boys in the house. Back with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, visionary of the year candidate for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Jasmine Terry. Hello, hello, hello. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. What what an honor to be doing something that helps save lives. Absolutely. Right? How long have you been involved with this? Um, so I was nominated early part of the year um, from a friend, Maggie Noel. Mm-hmm. She participated last year fundraiser. And um, we, we prepped, I guess, for a few months on, you know, the direction and if you're serious about it. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm all in. You know, um, leukemia actually is something that runs in my family. So it Your was my great-grandmother. So yeah. it was something that's really personal to me because no one in my family knew what happened to her. We like we literally didn't know. I was at the age of three at the time, but um, my grandmother passed away within a week and a half time period. So my family was like, "What is this? It's cancer." But you know, uh, the the culture wise of not sharing if there's health issues and if there's information, she didn't really know what's going on. So by the time we found out, she passed away the following week. Mm. So. Um, there was a lot of testing in the family, like, okay, you have leukemia, her kids, my grandmother, my aunt, to my mother, and now to myself, just to make sure, you know, it's a bloodline, especially with a lot more research. You know, it's um, definitely more evident and it's a lot more prominent. You know, there's resources to actually go to. So when I was um, asked to be a part of this and to be nominated to be a visionary of the year, I was highly honored, honestly, mm-hmm. um, to be a part of such an amazing organization and um, to give back, you know, and learn in this process as well. How old was your grandmother when she died? She passed away. um, I would say she was in her 60s. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. She was actually in her 50s. Your great, this was your great grandmother. Yeah, I passed away at three. I mean, my, oh God, (laughs) not I passed away. (laughs) She passed away when I was three years old. Yeah. So she passed away in 89. Right. And my grandmother was living, so this is my grandmother's mother. So, yeah, right. she passed away in her late 50s, I'll say early 60s, to be honest. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, and to, to do, to pass away, and there's no information. So, there, she didn't give us any information. You know, our, my family's from, my mother's side is from Louisiana. So, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to medicine, right, my family don't believe in medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, my great grandfather, my great grandmother is everything is in the pantry, you know, from honey to the everything that comes from the farm. So trusting doctors, trusting physicians, that's been a even as a child, that's a no go. Something's wrong. Let me fix this for you. Focusing on your gut, you know, and things of that. So this was her in real time that she had no control of what's going on and the remedies that she was possibly doing for herself. It didn't help the situation. And so by the time she let the family know, I have leukemia, she passed away shortly after. You know, so it was very devastating. Of course, I was a kid, but I remember as a child, my mother and my grandmother, I remember the funeral. I remember my grandfather. And I'm like, what happened to Granny? You know, Mm -hmm. like, what? you know, because we had such a close connection. You know, even now, you know, family, you look so much like your great-grandmother. You know, y'all are similarly the same. You know, you act just like her. You know, all these things. And, you know, to know that she passed away without any research really being available to her, you know, was, it's it's a disconnect, you know, so. I'm tripping a little bit on you being able to remember 
at three years old. Oh yeah. I think my my earliest memory is somewhere around five, mm. maybe four and a half, five. Yeah. So I remember, you know, for me, energy. I can't. I remember smells. I remember feelings, um, and I think that's that's. Energy is so important, like connecting. Like, I can't tell you at three years old what the conversation was, but mm -hmm. I remember what I felt. I remember the smell. I remember the touch. I remember kind of these small memories, but it was really her, like her energy that right. more any more than anything, you know? So, yeah, I do. Do people in your family typically live to be a long, you know, do they, yeah. do they typically you, live to get up in age? You know, honestly, on both sides of the family, they do. And I think that's a that's a beautiful thing to have because growing up as a kid, I had my great great grandfather. I had my great grandfather. I had my great my great grandmother passed away, but I had my great aunts that lived to like 105, 100. And oh. my I believe my Frida live was the longest, maybe 106. My so you're not too spooked by your grandma, your great grandma dying at 60. Uh, you know, in a no, um, no, not really yeah. because I, I mean I had such an older. Uh, with like an older group of family members mm -hmm. to kind of connect with, you know. Now my grandmother, her, my grandmother's, uh, my great grandmother's daughter, my mother's mother, she passed away fairly early. She passed away in her fifties mm -hmm. from some issues. Um, she was depression and other things, um, but she passed away fairly early. But along those lines, my family lives like a pretty long time, to be yeah. honest. And with everything that's going on in the world right now. I think about, because everyone's like, oh, my God, you had your great-grandfather? Yeah. Like, y'all didn't have your great-aunts. And they were, like, yeah. 90s and 80s. And, you know, I think even me growing into a woman and understanding now how important information is, that even on foods and, like, knowing your culture, you know, knowing different things. There's a lot of people know nothing about their grandmothers, their grandparents, right. or right. didn't have the opportunity. I can go back to, like, my great-grandparents, you know, Um and that's my mother's side, my father's side, even with my great-great-grandfather being Jack Yates. And to see, like, the legacy here in Houston of what he created, you know. And my grandmother now, my great my my grandmother, my father's mother, she's in her mid-80s, you know. So I've always had that type of uh, blessings, actually, to have family around and, you know, it's like older yeah. <laughs> family, so. Yeah, you mentioned your great-grandfather, John Henry Jack Yates. Yeah, yeah. That dude. Yeah. What a legacy. What a, what a lineage yeah. to, to claim. Yeah, yeah. It's How proud are you of, of being, you know, a part of that bloodline? You know, honestly, growing up, I kind of shied from it. I didn't really... You know, I attended Jack Yates High School. You know, I know about my great grandfather, but I wanted to be cool. I didn't want anyone to be like, oh, "Okay, you know, this is, you know, this is school is name." And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I'm like, man, it's my great grandfather's school. Shit, man, don't tell me what to do. In fact, I ain't going to. I, I ain't coming to school today. You know yeah, like, so you know, to have that knowledge, right? It was just kind of like. Ah. I don't want nobody to know, you know, and, and school was different then, you know, like you're like, yeah, this school named after my great grandfather. <laughs> and, it, and it's a trip how we how, how we trivialize things that are that are important. The mind. And, the mind. And, yeah. and, and we we elevate these things that are oh, not man. really important. Like yeah. we, we shy away from things like things that we should be proud yeah, of. Yeah, like, man. You know, you can't tell me now. Like don't, yeah. I tell everybody, even right. in, in, in bios, you know, that is yeah. that is a part of that is. 
historic, not even for Houston, but just for me and my bloodline, the power, you know, and think about who you are as a person, like what makes you who you are. And I Mm -hmm. think about myself, like being an entrepreneur, being an advocacy, you know, just how we connected just from talking about advocacy, what I couldn't say, Um, you know what I mean? And and, um, to be able to, it's something that's rooted in me. It's actually something that's actually in, it's in my blood, like to create and to want to help others and how connected I am to my culture as black culture and my seeking of like, where does all this energy come from? You know, like what makes you, you, and then you have like this information to go back to, you know, it's like, it's powerful, you know, and it's actually a great feeling, like a blessing, you know? Yeah. I first saw, I think I first came across you on the Isaiah Factor show. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, she got something. <laughs> she was talking about some type of social issue. I can't remember exactly what it was, mm-hmm. but the way you articulated yourself, I was like, oh, yeah, she's sharp. She's sharp. <laughs> and, and you stood on it. It, it was something controversial. It, oh. you, you wasn't dancing around it. Oh, no. I, you wasn't I, mincing words. Oh, no. That's not me. I wasn't raised yeah. to be that way. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, to be able to talk about culture, black culture, there's no shyness about that. There's no change in my tone. There's no, well, I'm around a certain group, you know, being proud of who you are. You know, that's, that's, that's in my blood, yeah. you know, and you stand on it, you know, in any space. And so if it's something dealing with healthcare, if it's education, if it's something dealing with the financial systems, you know, adv- advocacy is important. It's in me. Yeah. And I ha- that's what I, I feel connected to do, you know, even with my travels around the world that I do. You know, this is all a part of a learning process, yeah. you know, and I don't know where it comes from, but I know it comes from your bloodline. It comes from your <laughs> great-grandparent, your great-great-grandparent, yeah. perhaps, you know. like Yeah, to, yeah, just his story alone, you know, being a slave in Virginia to be free and to come back to be with your wife in Texas and become a slave again, you mm. know, to not only that, to kind of lead the way through the emancipation to build, um, teach your people how to build homes and the importance of land and how to read and, you know, to be a minister, to minister to people. And this is how we create our own economic systems. We don't have to be a part of these systems that, um, that we are given. You know, so this is a person that's been out of, was a slave, out of slave, came back into slavery. The emancipation happened, then create wanted land where we have our own land. We don't want, we don't need to participate with you. We're going to create our own, you know, these different struggles, you know, the fights that in order just to be yourself. And so to know the legacy that not only my great grandfather, my great grandfather's children, we know what my grandmother has done with my father, with my family, just who we are. It's it's innately in us, you know. So to get on Isaiah Factor Show, and I'm gonna say what I gotta say because this is something that's like, you know, it's important to me, you know, and it's carrying information, you know. So it is, you know, and I I'm a proud, I'm definitely proud now. I'm not saying I wasn't proud as I was immature then. I didn't want to tell people, you know, this is my great grandfather. This is my this school was after, you know. I I was like oh, I don't need to do that, you know. Pretty modest, you know. But that's royalty. You know, in your area. So. 
Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you look at the uh, racial climate in Mm -hmm. This country, yeah, there's a lot of division, yeah, and there are a lot of people that are in high positions, especially politicians, who are flaming the fire. Yeah, considering your your lineage, considering mm-hmm. what we've been through historically, do you? What's your concern level that slavery could actually happen again? Slavery is happening right now. Well, I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about from like the the the, the, you know, the, the centuries um, of slavery. You know, they actually like actually having black folks in physical chains, not the mental chains, the chains, mm. but the physical chains, and you know, well, everything was, that came with that. Um, in certain parts of the world, that's happening still, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're just talking about America. Talking about right here in the right U.S. Right in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, I don't think that's going to happen, right? Um, I think there's these systems around us, and I know you said about like physically happening. You know, I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen. I know I'm not getting no chains. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, what do you think? You think I, I don't see I, it. I can, I can, I can, I can't say what's can and yeah. what will and won't happen because mm-hmm. some things are happening now that I never thought oh, would happen. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, hell, Donald Trump became president. He's <laughs> one of the dumbest motherfuckers <laughs> in the United States of America. You know, but yeah. you know, I can't, I, I, I don't know, you know, but I do know this. I'm killing everything. I'm not going to be a slave. You know, I... I I'm not going to be a slave, especially knowing what I know. Yeah. Knowing what they did. Well, that's information, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially knowing that yeah. what I know, knowing that there is no get back, knowing that there is no mercy, knowing yeah. that there there is no, there is no, there will be no conversations of oh, rationalism. Absolutely. absolutely. You know not. what I'm saying? None of that. Absolutely. There's like, none of it. It's not, there, I don't there, see there, that there at all. There will be no rationalizing. You know, like I'm not, nah, man, no. I already know. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm, man, I'm killing everything. Walking. Everything. Everything. Walking. You know I'm, what's, man. A conversation with a friend about how do we get out of these systems, right? Like how, you know, who are well, who are we uninterrupted as a culture? And when I say uninterrupted, meaning 
without the, the trauma, without your bag, your record and, you know, this this poverty and all these things. Who are we as a culture? Uninterrupted. We are royal we beings. You already know that. You already know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's you have to interrupt you have to interrupt in order to shake it up, right? I can't. And so you, I'm going to interrupt you in education. I'm going to interrupt you in the financial system. I have to interrupt you in so many places because the moment you're uninterrupted, you train, your energy transcends. You're a whole nother, you are, who are you? You know what I mean? And in my mind, I, I heard something like that. And I was like, who is Jasmine uninterrupted? You know, if I'm not worried about bills, I'm not worried about mm. walking around. If the police is this and what, who am I? uninterrupted and that's from now on that's how i see myself i'm uninterrupted mm. you know as a culture so when we look on the news and you see prime example you know the guy that raised two million dollars you know for now in the, the gofundme yeah. daniel ain't worth a dime. yeah <laughs> ain't worth a dime penny so yeah. <laughs> so you know what does that look like right in the, the media what it show the music we are so interrupted in so many ways, right? The things that we're listening to, the foods that we eat, it's a it's a part of a system, right? Mm -hmm. How do we get uninterrupted as a culture? And I hate to say it, the only I don't know other way but to fight, to be mm -hmm. honest. And my friends like fight, you know, and we love and you know, I I love Martin Luther King. That that was a I, he's a great man. But I also understand what Malcolm X built, right? Mm -hmm. As for as a culture, and I just feel that, you know, we're gonna have to fight. It's well, gonna be a well, point where, well, yeah. sorry, it's a point where, you know, I'm uninterrupted, period. And so, and by any means, in any way necessary, I will not be interrupted. I don't want to hear. So even listening to the news and sometimes with social media and all these different things, right? That's interrupting. That's that's interrupting like your 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 mind to think. You know what I mean? The foods we're eating, it's, it's interrupting our systems, the healthcare, all mm. of that. You know what I mean? So if I can be in a place as simple as being uninterrupted, you can't stop me. You can't stop nothing. It's nothing that you can do to do that. And so as a people, if we can figure out ways we, how we are uninterrupted. Meaning if it starts with the children and education, we teach in our own, right? If it goes into building our own hospitals, creating our own wellness cities, you know, creating our own military, because we will be uninterrupted because everybody has their hands on our culture. Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know. So for me, back to what you're saying about slavery, I don't see it going that far as far as chains and all of that. Um I think as a people and at this point in time in life that we have a conscious that is awakening that is beyond just um, what we see. Right. And it's happening. So therefore, the world is shifting. The earth is purging. It's, you know, I'm into nature. I, mean, I don't know if you know that, Willie. But oh, I know. so, so I, I, for I me. I've seen you on the horses <laughs> all in the mountains. So for me, you know. Chilling in Egypt. Uh, <laughs> walking down, walking on the beach in Morocco. And <laughs> <laughs> so for me, you know, that's a lifestyle that comes with lifestyle. And that's something that you teach others. You know what I mean? Looking in different directions, you know, so I don't see that happening. It's putting us into being slaves and all of that. You know, and I don't think every other culture is bad, but I am focused on my culture. And my goal is to help us be, inter uh, you know, uninterrupted, period, mm -hmm. you know, the mind and to do that. And so with that, I don't see it happening. You know, that's I, your ministry. 
Yeah. That's our ministry. That's your that's your ministry. Your ministry yeah. is is helping people. Yeah. Service. The voice of the voiceless, yeah. 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 That's your ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Because even when you do it with your event center, yeah. You your event center is not just, you know, fuck you, pay me. Yeah. It's yeah. it's yo, we're gonna provide a superior absolutely. experience. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and we're gonna create a beautiful uh, space for you to come. It's gonna be yeah. a, it's gonna be a a warm and welcoming mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. and you're gonna feel it. You're gonna yeah. feel that personal touch. I mean I felt it myself. You I, know, appreciate I, I, it. I had my yes. I think I had the first event at your yes, new Yes, you did. At you your, your new event, yes. event center in yeah. downtown Houston. That you know, the reason for me opening Lake Chateau, um, and of course all of this is energy for me. Everything mm-hmm. is energy. So it was to create a safe space for creatives, right? I complain, ain't nowhere to go in Houston. At some points, it was like the clubs. It was like, um, you're going to tell me what I can wear. I see you profiling by the clothes or, you know, just certain things. I want a space where we can be safe and connect, grow and learn. So it's not just opening a bar, you know, Lake Chateau Mm -hmm. Houston for me is a space where we can be safe and also connect. So we can have great eats. We can have music where creatives from all over the world, because Houston being such a big city, there's not like a place, a platform where indie artists just really come in. You have like your warehouse lives and you have like these other places, but there's no hub of like, this is where talent is made, you know? So I wanted to be able to participate in creating that rhythm in Houston. And it doesn't have to be just a club and your normal live music shows, but there's so many forms of art that you that I want Lake Chateau to be able to display, you know? So from theatrical art to musicians to dancers, you know, singers, like all of that into the space. And even art of networking with other people. How do you get into a room and connect? A lot of times we want to, I want to go talk to Willie D, man. I want to, you know, how do you do that? How do you, when you have that opportunity, how do you connect? You know, so it's really like a, like you said, I guess a teaching space, right? Mm -hmm. To having a safe space for culture. And then you also having these different, you know, different places I visit around the world. I was like, I got to, I want to bring it back to Houston. And if you didn't go with me, I want you to be able to see through my eyes what I saw. And so whether it's in other countries and we come back and these different performers of sounds and music to place it into this place. That's what Le Chateau is about, you know, to create whatever you want, you know? So when I initially opened, that's the plan. I closed during COVID. And then from there I reopened and I'm like, you know, the bar industry is a lot, you know, it was a lot on me and I don't know how I maintained for three years kind of solo, this is, I've never owned a bar before. I never worked in the bar, but I was like, okay, I have this vision and everything just happened. You know, even the guys with Earn Your Leisure, you know, I created one programming of um, Le Chateau, which is the office, which actually today there's an event, a networking event to just kind of connect with people, professionals and entrepreneurs in Houston and really engaging on how do we, you know, when you're in the room, this is not just looking at each other really get to know somebody, not just being around the people that you're close to, actually getting in and connect. So I was able to reach out. They reached out to me, actually. Hey, we like what you're doing in Houston. We want to come down. And to see where they started from with this financial literacy, even him and um, shout out to my guy, Wall Street Trap as well. They're talking about the the market, the um, stock market um, with 19 keys, like all of them. Well, 
Wall Street Trap met Earn Your Leisure in my space. And mm. to see where they were then and where they are now. And we all are cool in these relationships. You know what I mean? Lake Chateau was a place that you were able to connect and to see that. And then to have them come out and then to not just them, just different people, musicians and artists. So, you know, for me as a visionary, I just want to create rooms and spaces and energy where things evolve, you know. So instead of having a bar now, it's a a, a creative space, you know. So you bring your creativity and we help you make it happen, you know. And it's all about, you know, when I opened Lake Chateau, then... I had a lady because I'm in sophomore San Jacinto, so I'm in the museum district. It's third ward. I had a lady, a white lady. Her name was Karen also. Uh-huh. <laughs> Karen came in and said, oh, you're opening a, a jazz bar. And I was like, yeah, I'm excited to tell her. And, you know, she came in as if she wanted to help, help. me. Yeah, with the peace pipe. With the, you know, I want to I want to help you. You know, I want to I want to I want you to be successful. Now, she don't know that. My great grandfather helped cultivate this whole area where you live in with your husband. That's not too far from emancipation. My grandfather created that space. Right. But she doesn't know me. So she's coming in and she's like, well, you know, I want you to be successful in this area. Um, And the food is great. The music is great. But I think the artwork in here, I think you should make it about everybody. I think you should make this space not just about black culture. It should be about Asian culture. It should be about all these different (laughs) cultures. You know, it should be about everybody, you know, because that's the way the world is. And I let her talk. And I was so thankful that I handled her with grace because who are you to come into my business and tell me how I should make space for everybody? Did you go to Papado's and you see all of these pictures of these other cultures on the wall and they have no black people. Did you tell them you should make this about black people too? I said, that's the problem. I should be able to be proud and you should be of my culture and the legacy of Aretha Franklin and uh, Ray Charles and Mal Davis. And you should be in here and be excited to see this experience because this is a part of my culture. It's not because it's only for black people. She said, well, when you have Things like that, it makes it seem like only black people are welcome. I said, you're the only one feeling uncomfortable. How, why making what, what my culture is doing and me Mm -hmm. promoting and wanting a safe space for my people, you feel uncomfortable. And for you to have the balls to come into my business and smile at me and to tell me, be black, but just don't be too black. Yeah. Make it black. This is this area is for everybody. You know, there's black people here. There's Asian people here. Even more reasons where you should be want to welcome and understand my culture and understand the legacy. It's more than just music. You come in and eat our food and our great. Like, understand this. Come in and connect with people. And I think her husband was from Brooklyn. And so he was, you know, he was really nice. But he could feel like, he was like, I think you were out of line. The next day, the opening, she sends like a flood of flowers. She said, I, she said, you are so highly aware. And with the way that you handled me with care in that moment, I had no idea what I was doing. Like for me to come in to tell you, don't make your space about your culture is insensitive. And I didn't even realize this because, I mean, I have black friends. That was one. You know, I I have yeah, I've traveled around the world and the way that you broke it down to me, I didn't even realize that was me and my form of not being able to connect. And so even with that, you know, Le Chateau, it was just her. They always came after that, you know, and, and I forced her to connect with other people. This is what life is about. It's about 
connecting, you know, like you can't come in my business and tell me to be black, but just don't be too black because you make me uncomfortable with your blackness. <laughs> Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and sociopolitical factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine going to a Mexican restaurant and being offended that there's only Mexicans on the wall, the people who started the restaurant. Yeah. You know, like yeah. these are the people who started yeah. generations of people who started yeah. the restaurants where, you know, I think you should uh, add more diversity here because uh, yeah. to make me comfortable, people yeah. like me comfortable. Make me comfortable. Yeah. And you wanted me to work. But that, that, but they only do that to us. That, yeah. that, that They only, I, I, I know that for a fact. They only do that when a black person owns yeah. a restaurant or yeah. uh, something mm-hmm. and like. No, you put whoever you want to put on the walls. If you if a person likes the product or services, they they patronize the business or they don't. It yeah. doesn't matter to me yeah. one way or the other. It's like my music. Mm-hmm. I make my music for the people. Mm-hmm. And if you get it, cool. If you don't, that's cool too. Yeah. But I am not about to acquiesce to your style, to your preference, to make you feel comfortable. Absolutely not. Fuck you. Straight <laughs> right. up. Right. Straight up. Like, uh, and I'm unapologetic about that. You know, Uh, why why do we have to change who we are? You know, I mean, but, you know, it's like you you, you like our our talents, Mm -hmm. like what we do, but then you want to take it and then you want to make it the way you want to make it and, and so that you can be comfortable with it. Like I said, you want to interrupt it. Want to interrupt it, you right? Know? And so you don't leave us uninterrupted. You want to interrupt in any form because I want you. No, 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 no. You can't be too good, you know. And I think, and to go back to your point, what you just said about here in America, it's a mentality. So, as a person that has traveled in different places around the world, I didn't realize with this whitewash mentality that I've had, right? That when I went to other places, when I went to France, went to Paris, I'm so used to America has programmed us that we are the center of the world and we're not. We are behind. Right. But we are so great. Like uh, a concept about branding and marketing. 
right? That we go around, oh, I'm American. You know, the dollar is American. What is the dollar tied to? You know what I mean? Like all of this. Not until I went to China, not until I went to Europe. And I'm seeing like, you know, I'm American. You know, I go there and I think, you don't speak English? Like we have been programmed, honestly. So not only are we as black people, right? And just thinking as humans, I mean, just a, a culture of people. We're American also. And when I've gone to other places, like this is not in English, you know, everything is English and French, English. Like we have this type of supremacy around the world to being like these, this, this is it. And we're not. And I had someone tell me in China when I was in a, it was a program, which seeing what Africa and China is doing in Africa, that's a whole thing. I seen that back in 2014, but baby, you are in another country. I know America, we're popular with the entertainment and, you know, we we have this. I, that was the first time a slap in the face. I was like, I, we are behind. I am behind. Right. Like the kids here are making the games that my children will play. They're creating the technology that I will use. What are we doing? I went there. My friends were like, oh, see if you can get us some hair weave connect or some boutique, some clothes. And I'm like, yeah, girl, I got you. I'm in China. I'm going to be here for a while. Not until I joined the Africa to Business Council that a, a Asian, a Chinese girl asked me to join that I realized the conversations were different. And I was quiet because I'm not African. I'm not from Africa, but there was people from Nigeria and other places in Africa and they were brokering deals. And China, the government in 2014 was creating this Chinese to Africa Business Council which I have photos to show where, you know, and still a part of this group, we we want to do business in Africa. And so why I'm looking at of how can I get to connect on some clothes to start a boutique and some hair, maybe some makeup and, you know, these smaller things. These are people my age brokering big world deals, meaning creating room for tomato paste companies, rice farms, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like on a bigger scale. You know, we are, I am behind. I'm thinking I'm American and you know, all of these. No, I'm behind. You are, we are, America is a small part of what the world is. And we made this Donald Trump mentality to be like this, this thing that we are not, we are falling. I saw this in 2014. I'm like, my God, this is where we are on a scale of what the word, the conversations are happening around the world. So right now to where we understand where the dollar is. And I saw this in 2014 and to see how China has created these alliances around the world there in Africa. And I'm brokering deals because they think I'm from Nigeria. I didn't say I wasn't. I just, you know, I'm trying to understand what's going on and to see this. And I'm like, my gosh, I am really behind. I'm worried about weave. My friend want to start a makeup line and a boutique you know, and these are real life. These are global impacts around the world, you mm. know. So as a culture, and I say as an American, so not only being black, but then you have to get outside of the world. And we've been programmed to think, oh, we big, we big shit. Well, you know, sometimes they do be hating on us, though, because I was I lived in Paris for I, I lived in Paris. for. A they do. They and and, and, and I, I remember going into the grocery store once. Yeah. And I asked for uh, a shaver, you know, uh, a razor. Yeah. You know, so I could shave, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm asking f- about the razors. And it's like maybe like, s- it's like six cash registers, about three 
cashiers. Yeah. And they're all women. Yeah. And so I'm and and they got people standing in line and I'm asking about the razors. And, and she's like, huh? He, what? Huh? She's talking to me like that, like, like really like talking down on me, like, like, huh? What? And she's frowning up while yeah. she asks. And, I, and I'm, and, and I'm I'll a, tell you the reason And for I'm that in too. the tourist, yeah. but I'm in the tourist area. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in the tourist. I know that they want us to try to speak French. I got yeah, that. Yeah. They want us to make an effort to, to speak French. But I ain't got time to be making no damn efforts to speak French, man. I got stuff to do. I'm out here trying to vacate. I'm trying to I'm trying to chill, man. So yeah. um the woman was like, What what say you? And so the the other lady, uh, she she's looking at the other lady, and I see them laughing about it, right? Yeah. So I said, Do you have any razors, bitch? And the other one, like, oh, they're right there. <laughs> no, I mean, really? I ain't know, like, hey, man, you know, like, I don't, that, that, but you, I, know, you know, excuse what? my French and part my vernacular, but I, I ain't usually like that with women, you know, but I mean, she just, she tried to make, and she was insulting me, you know, and. But you, you know what another thing, I wasn't really, feeling that at all. Not until an, an understanding, like, and she was rude. Don't get me wrong. They can be, people other other culture can be rude. The re, a reason why, as Americans, as a totality, not just you and what you mean, when we go places, we think we are the shit. Yeah, yeah. We think we are the shit. You go to, you're in another country. You go to Mexico. We have had this mentality of, you know, I'm better than you. I'm American. Collectively, because Collectively. I've, I've never been that way. So, right. And but been, honestly, and it's so countries. many people like, ew, your food, ew. Like, what is this? Yeah. You know, because we have been programmed that we are the center of the world and we're not. We're behind in education. Our health is bad. You know what I mean? Our dollar is crappy. And we we it, it it's bullshit. Not even just Europe. You go to Mexico. We feel as though we're better than other people. You know what I mean? It's a mentality. Our, our families have been decimated. <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah. And so, and I'll say this, and I, you know, my experience, like for me, I'm going to Ghana. So I went to Ghana in January. I plan on in June to be there all the way through December. I'll come back and forth, but I want to plant my roots in Africa, right? And I'll say this, it's not the thing of, you know, I'm black and I'm, you know, I want to go back to Africa because that's a whole nother topic of we're not the same people as far as because we're black, we're African, it's complete, we're we're different. We're the same, same genes, right? But we're different. And me being in Africa and to not just Africa, but places I've been, right? To go to places when you see people that look like you, right? And, and you know, in America, we have always been in this capitalist kind of mentality, right? Money, money, money. You know, it's a pressure. But yeah, there's places where they're poor. You know, they don't have what we have in poverty, but they have something way more powerful, which is community, right? If somebody's out there selling chickens and eggs, it's such a it's such a, a community based culture that is beautiful to me. You know, we can come here and yeah, money and all this. We're so disconnected on who we are and the things and and. The soil is bad, you know, so my experience of being there and you welcoming another feeling, you know, I went to Nigeria. Nigeria was cool. You know, I had some incidents with some of my friends I went to college with, you know, because I didn't feel even though I love the culture, the African Nigerian culture to learn about it. And I thought like, oh, you know, my ancestry say I'm 40 percent Nigerian. So, you know, I'm like, I didn't feel connected. But the minute, Why not? Um, 
And again, I am a spiritual person. It's it's what felt calm to my spirit. I felt like I just didn't think that these are my people. You know what I mean? I love. Did they make you feel welcome? Very welcome. Even the people here, my Nigerian friends that are here. Was it the language barrier? It's not even the language barrier. I, I honestly, I live in so much Afro beats and I've talked to so many people in Houston. Houston alone has a lot of Nigerians and people. Mm-hmm. Culture. I love the food. I, I just thought I did not feel like home to me when I went to Ghana. When I was seven years old, I went to Turner Elementary. Um, Bush created, HIC created a program, the multicultural program. And it was a turn elementary where you could pick Europe, Africa, um, China, and all these other countries that your study was in. And mine was mine was France and mine was Africa. And the, the focus in Africa was Ghana. And so I met the president, Jerry Rollins. It's a picture of me, seven years old. I met him. They had me in this kente clothing. And um, I remember asking him a question. Why are Africans poor? Like, why are, why are everybody poor? And he just Did looked he at me. At he looked at me and said, Africa's not poor, baby. He said, it's not poor. And he explained, there's so many, because I had no idea. When I thought of Africa, we looked on the television, it was flies, flies kids, big bellies. Famine. You know, like, oh, yeah. they're poor. He said, it's not poor. You know, and he was telling me the food is so good. We had these tastings of like different types of food. That was my first exposure. Right. So here I am at 36 years old. Well, I went to Africa at 35, but at 36, I was in Ghana. And to be able to connect soon as immediate when I was in Nigeria, Nigeria felt like everybody's chasing money. Every, that's what the feeling It's a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong, but I'm energy. Right. And I felt like this it, mm, it's beautiful. It's fun, and so I'm, I'm going like back. Was in, like one of the big cities in America. Like it was just like Atlanta. The, or... the energy was just. It was money. Like everything was like about money. But the minute I landed in Ghana, it's a feeling of. It was like you know. It was a feeling of just peace. A feeling of peace, like seriously. And it, it wasn't because, and I was like, all right, maybe it's my psych of like, I have always wanted to go to Ghana. So I'm going to look at it different. The air, the different, it's a different feeling, right? It's not. Is it different from America? It's different. It's different, man. To go somewhere and you see money with people, like the faces that look like you, right? Mm-hmm. To go to the museum and this is their history. Not all, it's not as beautiful or, you know, as, as big buildings as the States, but it's a quality that you can't get here. It's a feeling of like, man, this is peaceful, right? Like this is, this is to me what life feels like. And I feel like I've experienced some highs and being around, but these people, it's, it's community rooted in community, you know, and you know, you have these markets and people are exchanging foods and you know it's not as it's not as wealthy in some areas right but that is a to have peace and to have happiness that is something that that money you and to arrive back in america and you feel it's like automatic as soon as you go off the plane you feel pressure anxiety everybody's like it's this it's this thing like i got the money oh i you know it's this it's the news it's it's so much pressure but to be able to go a place that you just feel like oh my god this is peaceful. And I'm assuming that it's the same way when you walk into a store, you you feel like you, 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 you feel that 
the person is grateful that you're there and not that you feel some type of burden. Yeah. And they're welcoming. You know, like, like you're a yeah. burden. Yeah. Yeah. It's a welcoming. It's a welcoming feeling. It's the welcoming feeling that you feel. And also, let's get to the food. That is live soil. The soil here is dead. You know, mm -hmm. when I was in Israel back That's why in, everything is manufactured. Listen. Food. It's dead. The, the food here is not food. When I was in Israel back in 20, I think it was like 2008, I was in Galil Gabo. I went to Tel Aviv. I had never tasted fruit before. Like, I love fruit. But it was taste. And I see why they're fighting over the soil. It was a whole nother taste. The food was different. The food in Ghana is different. The taste, like, I'm telling you. Did it you, taste it, great immediately or was it like, a quiet yes. taste? It's, it was great immediately. What you think a great strawberry tastes like and you have it in another place, you're like, man, this is dead. Mm. Even your stomach, right? You know, your gut is really like the mouth of your soul. So if the, your gut is the mouth of your soul, what you put in replenish the body. If we're putting in fake foods and eating dead corpse and all this craziness, our minds, we, we're interrupted. We're interrupted within our minds. But to be able to eat vibration, high level, like vibrating foods, like it feels different. You're not tired, you know? You're not big because, and I eat, I'm greedy. Are you a vegan? I'm not a vegan, but I think I eventually kind of- Pescatarian. in a sense. And sometimes I don't eat pork. I don't eat any pork. But, um, you know, I still have these slips. I, I love chicken, even chicken. Listen, I don't eat chicken. I try not to eat chicken here. In the States. I'm telling you. And it, that's the, mark my word. Jasmine Terry said that chicken, the antibodies, the things that are in these chickens really mess with your brain. I love Popeye's. I hands down I don't care how much money I have in the world. You eat it. Your mind is messed up. Go like really do a, a cleanse and go eat something that's like that, like the chicken. It throws your mind off. So if you have some imbalances, hormonal imbalance, mental balance, depression, anger, the foods we put in our body really affects that. So you still eat Popeye's chicken? No, man. I, you, you cut it all the way out? I cut it out. When? It's been a while. And I'll try it. And I'm every now and then, I'll be like, oh, let me. My mind, I'm telling you, like your mind is clear. Like, How, how long has it been since you've eaten Popeye's? Man, it's been like a few years. Because you know me, I bust a left in the Popeye's and be a lot quick. Listen, Willie, I love, <laughs> listen, I love Popeye's. I, listen, but the hormones and the stuff in that chicken and in that food, and you go somewhere else and you eat and you still feel different, the chicken sizes aren't the same. Mm -hmm. The wings we have here, these big chicken breasts, and yeah. then you see what the chicken, because I'm like, this is chicken, this is fish. Yeah, but it's. It's uninterrupted meat. Right. You know what I mean? Like this is not, this is, you know, this is food, your stomach, your, 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 your time to go to the potty is, I'm, it's a different experience and it's the body. So that's why the plan is we can't get y'all want to come over here to Africa. The minute you are, we have to interrupt you to not want to be in these places because the minute you go to these places, what's happening? The best thing the, the government did in Ghana in 2018 was do the return of homecoming. As amazing as Nigeria is, Ghana is thrive. Black Americans are, I mean, homes, there are people are buying land there like crazy. If you see how fast it's going, the market is up and down, but it's going really fast. And you have that experience, and then you think I'm going to come back here and listen to this? Absolutely so, not. So do you plan on moving to Ghana? I, I do want to, um, 
I do want to live. You would leave your family behind? Um, so this is the thing. I want to be able to have experiences in other places, right? I do, but like I said early on about not feeling like that's home, you know, I believe we are in the indigenous people of America. We are the indigenous people. I do believe that the Moors were already here and they these that's our family. Like black people were already here in America. I don't believe that oh, because I'm black, I'm from Ghana and I'm from Nigeria and I'm from these other places. I do believe that we are indigenous people of America and it's very important for us to get our land here by so, any means. So do you believe so you don't believe that Africa is the cradle of civilization then? I be, no, I do because believe all civilization started in Africa. All civilization does start in Africa. I do believe that. But even when I was in Ghana and I went to um and I, I toured Cape Coast, the door of no return, that's where the last place the the African Africans were and they shipped them to the mm-hmm. States, they shipped them to Jamaica, the Caribbean areas all over. Um I'm just saying that I believe black we were we were already here. Mm-hmm. And I know what I feel like and whether people believe it or not, this is our land. We were already here. The story of Africa, just tra- all these slaves, millions of slaves that just came through America. Brown, black people were here. Their Moors were traveling all over the world before the slaves, before this even happened. So you're telling me my, my great, great grandparents, people were black people were already here. Right. And the idea wasn't that the Europeans, the ones that said, hey, let's make black people, you know, slavery was a form of technology where it's wrong. Right. What they did to us in America is like the worst. Right. But it was a form of technology. The Middle Easterns came with were some of the ones that influenced the Africans to rally up the black people to ship them off in the slave trade because we were able to stay outside. White people were coming. They had white slaves too that came into Africa because they wanted to take in the go. They were dying. They were dying. They did, they couldn't survive there. The heat, you know, their bodies were not. A lot of the, mid, the Middle Eastern that were in Africa, right? And you need to get more black people. And yes, Africans were, sl- they were selling off other Africans for trade, for money, Right. But my point, what I'm saying is that in America, black people were here already. Not Christopher Columbus, and I'm not just saying the Native Americans, those are still a part of indigenous people. There are indigenous black people here that were already here. They needed more in order to do what they were doing, you know? So does that make sense? Like, I mean, I mean, you, you, I just feel you, like you're, we're you're we're saying, of this work. Yeah, no, you you're saying something that I that I have knowledge of already. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear you say it. Yeah, I <laughs> I think we were already here. Yeah, honestly, I don't think that, and I don't think that we're the same people. I yeah. think what they're doing right now in these forms, they're trying to turn us against each other in the job roles and black. Americans and Africans. So because right now you think about in music, think about what's happening right now. Think about in jobs, like even with Black Panther, these movies, right? You just think about what's going on in this moment. It's to steal, to keep black people at a lower level. Perpetuate the lie. Yes, perpetuate the lie and to turn, instead of us bridging the, the gap between black Americans and Africans, the, oh, no, 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 no. We got to turn y'all. Y'all are better than them. 
Think about think about what's happening when there's job roles and in healthcare and yes, a, a lot of African people are more well off in education than we are the opportunities here in America as black people. When you think about they're turning us against each other. Even with this music situation right now, of course, we connect with music. Oh, I want to go to Africa. Oh, Afrobeats and all this. Think about how fast this is going, right? And where is black people at this moment? Even with this whole immigration thing that's that's happening with, um, what is it, Florida, about the um, immigrants that can't work, you can't be with your families and all of that. I mean, because I'm for my people, this is the perfect time for black men that need jobs and need, you know, to have different trades. Go get those jobs. Go get your land. That's that's what other people are doing when they come here. You know, why? Why are we like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not cleaning up toilets. I'm not going to go build. I don't want to do those jobs. This is a time for us to wake up and to focus and go get those jobs. I'm not knocking any immigrants. I'm not saying about the my Mexican friends or not. But I am about my people at this point. Go get those jobs. You know, go get it's time, like in order to have the revenue and some power. Because that's what's happening in other cultures. We're still asking people to help us. Help me. Help me. Help me. Serve me. We're so in a slave mentality, like you said. And those people will be in chains, possibly. That would be the case because we're so like, tell me what to do. These people from Mexico coming here, they're not saying tell me what to do. They're coming in here like, we're going to live together in this house together. We're going to build. We're making money. Then we're going to own the small company. Then we're going to eventually... Um, create the consulting company and you work from there and we're still asking. So I just said it's a deficit. Everybody's against us, you know, as black people at this point. Yeah. We got, we got to know that we got to know that we own our own. We all we got. Let's talk about, let's talk about leukemia and lymphoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both, both leukemia and lymphoma are, blood cancers. Mm-hmm. But what's the primary difference between the two? Honestly, I would have to have somebody. I'm still learning about what's the, the big difference, to okay. be honest. I, I don't want to give a medical to say exactly what it is. Right. Um, my only focus with leukemia, it is a blood disease and there's so many different levels of it. Um, and I honestly, I can't say exactly what the difference is, is. And yeah, I'm still yeah, learning. There's, there's various mm-hmm. forms of it. And, you know, it, it, it uh, it attacks the body at different stages. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's good that you that you're doing it. I mean, it, it's you. a worthy cause. It's Thank good you. to see you involved in that. I did want to ask you this about your your tranquil persona. My tranquil. Yeah, you have a tranquil persona, you know, like. Why you always, sound like my friends? My yeah, friends always yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like you you uh. You have like a, a a persona where it's like like you know an unbothered persona, right? It's like you're unbothered, mm. and um, it's hard to find that these days. Everybody's so angry. Everybody is very angry. Mm. But you have this this persona. But and you alluded to it a little earlier about. The club business. The club business mm-hmm. is a very brutal business. I used to own a bunch of clubs in Houston. Oh, okay. So it's a very, very brutal business. And to see you mm-hmm. in the the bar business, mm-hmm. you're in the bar business and, and skincare business too. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 I want to talk. About, I want to, yeah. I want to mention the skincare business, uh-huh. but I want to talk about the the bar business particularly in particular. 
That is a very brutal business. How do you maintain your sanity in a business like this? Um, so when I first started, I died the first year. I had no what I, I, I knew nothing about the bar business. You know, I had to figure out how I was going to protect myself from people from stealing. I was about to say, did you get ripped off? Oh, man. These bartenders are cold. I mean, I yeah. had people, they're counting. Um, they count ways to, you know, to count the, the liquor the and then, you know, the money and their friends are taking money. Like, it was so much to learn in a year, but I did it. I did mm -hmm. it. And it, when I tell you, it made me so sharp. Like, as far as now, I can go in and identify. That's the whole reason now I don't want to have, like, a full operating. You need a really, really good team, mm -hmm. you know. So I have to understand what's my strengths. I like to create. You know what I mean? And the bar was just a small part of it. And I was just like learning as I go. But the first year I died. I mean, seeing people steal, people complaining, fraud, uh, fraudulent money, you know, people that it, it's, it was hurtful to me because I'm like, man, do you not see that I'm doing this for us? Why would you come in here and try to give me counterfeit money? You know, I'm literally getting into it with guys like, really? Like, you know, what is this? You know, so it was a it broke me down. Mm -hmm. But in that breakdown, I was so strong. Oh, my God. I, I honestly and I mean, just working in, bit, in banking in general, when it comes to counting money, like I could count money with my eyes closed, you know, and all of that. But to actually know and to have a system, I did it, you know, and it I I don't know. I just knew that was a way of getting people to connect socially. We like to drink in Texas and I wanted to get people in the room. Where did you find the strength? You know, I had a therapist ask me that. She asked me what my mom did and what my father did. And because at the time I was like 30 when I opened the bar in Third Ward. Rent about $12,000 a month for this huge space right there on Sophomore San Jacinto. It was a the big house. It's a pink house. Was, was, it, it, that's that's it was not the old Groovy Grill, is it? Uh, it was called Chateau like back in the day. But okay. it was been other names. But it was a okay. huge like mansion estate that was right. a bar right there on that corner. Um, I just went for it. I think in my mind, I think I'm unstoppable, to be honest. And I know that I feel I have this magic, which I call it my magic, um, that if I think of something, everything else is going to connect with it. I mean, I know how I'm going to pull it off or what I'm going to do, but I know that my mind, if I think of something, is going to happen. And then everything else just kind of goes along with it and it connects the dots. I had never owned a bar before. I didn't even know how to make drinks to be honest. Yeah. So I was just, and, and then I called um, uh, one of this, I ain't gonna say his name, but you know, in a male dominant industry, these promoters and all these guys with these bars, like, hey, can you help me? I want to learn how to, you know, how do I get a liquor license? Oh man, you can't get a liquor license. You need an attorney to get a liquor license. You need all of this. And then it was like, nobody wanted to really help me. You want come just promote here in my space. You know, you can come in, Mm -mm. When I say that even the people that I thought we were cool that these promoters and, you know, and, you know, I'm on the corner of sophomore San Jacinto at the time. And so this Almeda, you got 5015, you got Turkey Leg Hut, you got all these places. And I'm like, man, y'all, I want to learn. Can you see? Nobody. All right. I'm going to do it. So I didn't get an attorney to get a lurker license. I didn't even have all the stuff to uh, open the bar. I literally had to learn. Like literally just kind of learn, what do I need the permits? You know, what is this? And I had one guy who had a prominent live music venue who was calling the city of Houston on me because he didn't understand how I got the building that I got and how it passed all the codes. White guy here in Houston. 
Mm-hmm. Been making money off What's of What's that sucker name? He been making money off What's of us. What's that sucker name? Come on. <laughs> making money. Making Say his money. Name. Let's put him out there. Let's expose him. Come on, Jazz. Give me the name. I ain't gonna, ex- I ain't gonna expose him. Give me the name. I, I ain't do gonna the rest. expose him. Give I'm gonna let him. Give me the name. I do I, the rest. I, I, <laughs> you're with the fifth one, B. So. Give me the name. I do the rest. <laughs> you know, I, I ain't gonna put him out there like that, man. But I will say that I even went to him and was like, hey, you know, I want to open a live music venue. You know, you had this place for a while ago and musicians and stuff. Can you, you know, your bar is closed, you know. Oh, you ain't gonna be able to get that building. That's hard. That's that's just too much. You, you're you not gonna make it a year there. And I did. I made it three plus years. And then the pandemic came and so I closed. Um, and now you're back at it again. Yeah. And you're going again. And I'm going and again. We're going to run yeah. this thing. We're going to run it in. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm back and better downtown, right across from the Toyota Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Great, great location. Thank and, you. And great hospitality, great Thank service. You. Thank I you. I can attest to that. <laughs> um, how do uh, somebody get in touch with you if they want to reach out? So um, they go to the website, which is thelaychateauhouston.com. Um, where we they can locate when we have events. If they want to book the venue, they can also um, email us at info at com as well. Ladies and gentlemen, so, yeah. Jasmine Terry. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. No more talks. <laughs> this episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and, and iHeartRadio. There's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, already know. a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. 
Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.